Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Did you know that over 95% of all businesses fail within the first 10 years? By listening in to what Bob's guests have to say, plus direction from Bob Pritchard himself, it's our intention that you won't be among those statistics. Now, here's your host, Bob Pritchard. Hello, world. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. This is the show that champions entrepreneurs, startups, early stage, and in fact, all small businesses, no matter what you do, and we're heard right around the world at the same time every week. You know, the most rewarding part of doing this show, apart from the great feedback we have from you, the listeners, is how it forces me to keep up to date with the plethora of information and technology advancements that come past my desk every day. Um, I guess partly because I've got this radio show, but people send me all sorts of amazing stuff and it has made me really learn a lot as I go. So thank you for that and uh, thanks for making us the number one business radio show in the world for entrepreneurs. That's really cool and I appreciate it. Now, I'm a great supporter, as you probably know if you listen to the show regularly, of the National Student Advertising Competition in America, and I'm really pleased that they have a new sponsor for the 2014 competition, and that sponsor is Mary Kay. The National Student Advertising Competition requires American Advertising Association college chapter members in colleges all across the country to develop a 26-page marketing campaign and a 20-minute presentation in response to a real-world case study that's set up by the Mary Kay Marketing Team and the Advertising Federation Academic Division. Earlier this year, I um, went to the final of the competition in Phoenix, Arizona, and the quality of the presentations from colleges across America was as good as any I've ever seen from any advertising agency. It was fantastic. So good on you, Mary Kay. I'm really pleased to be able to give you a plug. Mary Kay has a force of more than 3 million independent beauty consultants with more than 200 premium products and is sold in 35 countries across the world. Well done. And on behalf of tens of thousands of college students across the country including my son and his team at George Washington University in Washington, D.C. Thank you. Now, one of the most interesting pieces of news this week is that Yahoo beat Google in the share of U.S. web traffic for the first time last month since 2011. So if you weren't a Marissa Mayer fan prior to this, you probably should be now. Since taking over Yahoo... Mayer has been busily undertaking an acquisition spree, as you probably know, and garnering heaps of column inches along the way. You may know that among the purchases she's made are Flickr and Tumblr, which have no doubt helped their numbers considerably. Yahoo traffic soared 20% to hit 197 million visitors in July against 192 million for Google. So, Yahoo, great effort. Another announcement this week that really caught my eye is the fact that bricks and mortar retail stores are becoming cheaper than Amazon. 
For example, Bed Bath & Beyond were on an average 6.5% cheaper than Amazon for a basket of 30 items chosen by analysts. One big factor that does help Bed Bath & Beyond are the 20% off coupons that it regular, regularly sends to its customers. I actually got one in the mail today. I get them all the time, and I love them. 20% off? I mean, that's a fair whack, and uh, I always use my coupons. But other stores like Best Buy, they've introduced price match guarantees, promising customers that they'll meet any Amazon price for any items in their stores. Others, Walmart comes to mind. They're putting an increased focus on their online operations and using their physical stores as distribution points. Now, that makes a hell of a lot of sense. You sell people stuff online, and then they have to come into the shop to pick it up. And when they come into the store, you sell them a whole bunch more stuff. What a good plan that is. Now, also hurting Amazon is the fact that it now collects state taxes, which can range from 5% to 10%, and that eliminates a lot of the price advantage that the online retailer once had. However, to give them their due, they have supported the payment of state taxes. So that's um, that's a credit to them. And Overstock this week announced that they will also match all Amazon prices on books. So it seems that Amazon's getting attacked on all sides. We've spoken over the last few weeks about the uh, projections by Singularity University for the next 15 years and the dramatic changes that are going to take place in every facet of our life. And uh, there's likely to be an enormous distribution and delivery disruption. Uh, We spoke last week about um, being able to have your packages delivered by a drone, which will land on a little, like a helipad outside your front door, um, and or you will be able to print them in your home or your office with a 3D printer. So the, um, the company you buy from will send you a design to your computer, you send that to your 3D printer, and you print whatever the goods are in your lounge room. Now, that's quite extraordinary. 3D printing has been hailed as the future of manufacturing and today you can reproduce almost anything on a 3D printer. And now they can be purchased in retail stores for around about the same price as a top-line TV. All that's pretty remarkable and it's all happened very quickly, hasn't it? I mean, 12 months ago, not many of us have heard about a 3D printer and we certainly didn't expect them to be in all the retail stores. This week, the MakerBot Digitizer, a desktop 3D scanner that can scan any simple object in 10 minutes or so, went on sale for around about $1,400 and demand for the machine overloaded the company's store website. So they went on sale at $1,400 and the demand shut the place down. So... A hell of a lot of people obviously know about 3D printers. At the moment, they're fairly simplistic, but it does allow replication of objects, and you don't have to learn anything. 
all you have to do is plug this thing in, aim it, the lasers do the tracking, send the message, and you print the unit. So you don't have to learn any 3D modeling software or have any experience whatsoever. So the massive revolution in warehousing and distribution that we talked about a week or so ago is just around the corner. Now, we've all seen these QR tags on all sorts of objects and advertising, billboards, all over the place. Well, this week, Microsoft announced that Microsoft Tag, which was the company's customizable QR code alternative, ain't no longer. Scan codes taking over the support for Microsoft Tag technology as from September. So even though people are very slowly, increasingly scanning QR codes, I must admit I've never done it. Aaron Strout at Marketing Land has predicted the total demise of the QR code by the end of this year. So that's another example of what seemed like a good idea at the time, finally biting the dust. I've got a bit of, bit of a complaint about technology. Um, I went up to Starbucks to have a meeting today, and everybody's buying their Starbucks coffee with their phone. Now, I was told, and I haven't done it, but I was told that being able to swipe your phone and pay for your coffee was going to speed up lines. Well, I don't reckon. I reckon it takes just as long for people to scan their phones and get their coffee as it does for me to give them four bucks and get a nickel change. So there was big lines today and most people were paying with their phones, which I found really bloody annoying. Now, speaking about finally biting the dust, you'll probably recall the CNN I report. Remember CNN used to flog it all the time, send us in your stories, you know, look for look for news and then take it with your iPhone and send it to CNN and, you know, we'll submit them out for broadcast and this way we'll be able to cover the world. Well, very few people send anything of any meaning. So if you're a CNN watcher, there's been a hell of a lot less emphasis put on iReport lately. However, now, about three years, I think, since CNN started its iReport, NBC News has just made a deal to buy Stringwire. Now, this is a startup that will enable the network to stream user-generated video from their cell phones to the New York studio, who will then push this fascinating content out to the rest of the world. This means that NBC will no longer have to send a cameraman to the scene of any news. They will simply monitor Twitter, find out those people who were there tweeting about the events, contact them, send them a message, and then asking them to shoot live video for the network. So that's pretty cool. So something happens, they monitor Twitter, they find out who's there, send them a message, get their footage, put it on air. Very cool. But let me just get it straight. The network wants you to film the news to send back to them so that they can broadcast it, and then the cable companies can charge you 200 bucks a month to watch the stuff that you generated. <laughs> That's a pretty cool trick. 
What a good business model that is. Another thing that was of interest this week, a lot of things happened this week. Another thing that caught my eye was the fact that J. Crew launched its fall catalogue on Pinterest. Now, normally they direct mail their catalogue to their home catalogue su- subscribers. So, you know, X millions of these things get mailed out. So this year, Pinterest. So this year, and Pinterest's got like, from what I can recall, Pinterest's got like about 1% of the market or something. And so it's a relatively small market, uh, but they've got about 1% or so. But it shows you how quickly social media is changing the way companies communicate with their potential customers. I mean, 12 months ago, J. Crew did not have a social media department, nor did they have a Pinterest account. Now they're the first clothing brand to debut their catalogue on Pinterest. You might also recall that last month, Oscar de la Renta premiered its full campaign on Instagram. And now there are a host of brands that debut their print and TV campaigns on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, whatever. J. Crew's second online short film, this one on monogramming, was broadcast this last week. And they also used Instagram to promote their new in-store style session. For New York Fashion Week next week, J. Crew will again keep Fashion Week Diary on Tumblr, giving followers a glimpse of model castings, hair and makeup, run-throughs and other backstage elements of the show. So J. Crew's really getting into this social media and I've got to say, very smart move. Because corporations who are not maximising their use of new media really need to review their marketing. You're missing out on some fantastic opportunities. You know, promotion of your Facebook page in store provides you with a great opportunity to build your database of prospects. But, you know, display signage, putting up your URL, don't just say like us on Facebook because then somebody's got to go and search Facebook for you, but actually put up your URL so they can find you immediately, rapidly rebuilds likes for your store. That gives you a database that you can now offer your fans exclusive discounts, deals, you can invite them to sales, you can promotions, you can have a, a wine and cheese night and get them to come along and you can promote the hell out of the fact that you look after them. So you should use Facebook offers, which is a free, very easy to use feature that lets you create and share discounts using Facebook's ad create tool. You know, fans get an email to bring to your physical location to claim the discount. They can also share the offer within their own networks, and this spreads brand awareness and attracts new customers. It lets your fans, you know, it lets your fans in on offers, and, and it's an easy way for you to earn a new like, generate a better database, and generate extra sales. And once they get in store, you can also offer in store customers a discount for liking or checking into your business. You can build loyalty, develop a you know, repeat business, word of mouth. And there are so many fun things you can do. You get people to post 
photographs and get your customers emotionally committed to you. Facebook is not just for kids. It can be a business's best friend. Now, don't forget this program's all about you, the entrepreneur or the small business person that are looking for tips on how to become more successful. This is what we are here for. This show is dedicated to assisting entrepreneurs. So if you have a question, please don't hesitate to email me at bob at bobpritchard.com and we will answer it on air or we'll email you directly. And you're listening to the number one radio show in the world for entrepreneurs, the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. So no matter where you are in the world, we thank you for listening. And we do listen to you as well. Our business focus on entrepreneurs, startups and early stage business, it's probably and probably one of the most common questions that I'm asked is how to protect IP. A couple of weeks ago, I got an email from Steve Grant, who's an entrepreneur from Australia. He asked if I would have somebody on the program to discuss IP protection. Steve, your wish is my command. We'd actually scheduled an interview with Hartford Brown, a Los Angeles-based attorney for today, to discuss a wide range of intellectual property, including patents, trademarks, service marks, copyright, trade secrets, and all the rest of it. But we had a glitch in the system only about half an hour ago, and we'll reschedule that interview for next week. So my guest today is Artem Gasson. He's the founder of WhalePath, which is a marketplace for business research. It's a great idea. It connects postgraduate students from top unis with small businesses that need research now and don't have a huge amount of money. It is a brilliant idea. I'll be back with Artem in the next segment. This is Bob Pritchard. You're listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business, and I'll be back with you in just a moment. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. And this is the segment of the show where we interview people who have created new things, who have achieved great success, and are making a real difference in the world of business. Now, 
this show's all about entrepreneurs, and we've also spoken very frequently about how important it is today for not only entrepreneurs, but for all companies to utilise research. And last week on the program, we discussed how data was the last consideration of companies when creating marketing strategies. You know, they were following such really successful tried and true methods such as gut feel and experience that we know how all that worked. So only 11% of corporations run data-based campaigns or create data-based-driven marketing strategies. Now, when you consider that a a number of studies that have shown that up to 95% of all traditional marketing does not work, it highlights just how stupid marketing marketers and advertising agencies are not using data. And I know a lot of entrepreneurs who create their business plans without having thorough research. Well, you can be absolutely sure of one thing today, and that is that with new media, unless your marketing is researched based on the wired generation, you will get caught out. My guest today is Artem Gasson founder of WhalePath, which I think is a fantastic idea. It's a marketplace for business research, connecting postgraduate students from top universities with small businesses that need research and they need it now. This enables professionals to get customised quality research at reduced costs and, of course, students earn money, gain work experience and connect with future potential employers. It's a great win-win idea, and I know a number of times that I've needed research and not known where to go and and felt that I haven't had the funds to be able to do it properly. Now, Artem is a vision-oriented social entrepreneur, serial entrepreneur, and chief technology officer with a proven track record of successful exit strategies in social media and big data market industries. Active board member and a technology advisor to various startups and small cap publicly traded companies. Hi, Adam. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Good afternoon, Bob. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. First, the general question. Why do so many companies ignore research and data when creating business strategies and marketing campaigns? You know, it's, it's really apparent that traditional marketing by corporations and advertising agencies has been an abysmal failure. So why don't more companies use research? Is it the cost? Well, in order to market the product or your company, any company should understand the market and how it works. Absolutely. They need to learn more depth, perform depth analysis, and understand their demographics, their behavior, um, finding the patterns, and understand where they're actually located before they make any business decisions. And a lot of times we spend time and we execute, but we really execute the wrong way. So before you execute, everybody should analyze and perform market analysis to determine what their strategy is going to be and how they're going to execute this. So what's the problem that WhalePath is trying to solve? We're trying to solve a problem of business research because it's time-consuming and expensive. As an analyst, I spent hours conducting research on different companies. An example of research I did was market analysis, competitive research, or identify potential customers. 
And the truth is, the business research is time-consuming and expensive. So if you need a customized research, what are your options typically? I personally use Gardner and Forrester, but they're expensive and only offer pre-made research, but it's not always up-to-date. Yeah. And more important, they only deal with companies who generate over $30 million in revenue. So if you right. can't afford them, you can't. The other alternative is to use Elance and Nodesk. However, the offers are low quality, and business research is not truly their key competency. And as you can see, there are no good solutions for customized research. And that is why we have created WellPath. So why is it critical for startups and, and small companies to get really accurate research? It helps them to make better business decisions. In our vision, we believe that every company should, should analyze um, their market, their customers, or try to find who they are. That helps them to better execute. Well, I, I find a lot of a lot of small businesses and startups that that um, come to us for help. Um, the entrepreneur is so involved in his product and so convinced that it's the next billion dollar idea, and as soon as he announces that people are going to flood in the door, that they think that um, research is just something that is kind of superfluous and it's really just a waste of their money. But in reality, absolutely the opposite's true, isn't it? Absolutely. Well, you brought some good points here where startups are trying to take their product to market or they're trying to raise the money. Uh, most common question, well, how big is this market? How big is this problem? Uh, what are you addressing here? Who's your customers? How are you going to penetrate the market? So a lot of those questions, you need to know the answers. And obviously, it's uh, how do you find this? Well, you need to do the research. Yeah. And it is time-consuming. It is very <laughs> time-consuming. Exactly. And, and more important, you can spend time looking for it. You don't know sometimes what even questions to ask. Or you run into the problem where you spend time where you should be executing. And then when you can find information, you become frustrated because you spend time you couldn't find it. So, again, back to the same thing. How do you execute better? And you need to analyze this. Yeah, and a lot of people... Research simply involves um, going onto Google and looking something up and then finding the answer that fits whatever their question is and the result that they want. So it's, um, it, it's not really objective research. It's information, but it's not necessarily accurate, not necessarily um, objective. Absolutely. So it what, needs to be supported by data. And absolutely. it's very important to know the numbers and making it every decision is subjective until you can support that decision by numbers. Right. So research helps to make it your decisions much more accurate and you'll be able to execute more efficiently. Yeah, I think so many so many um, entrepreneurs put so much work into developing their product that they really are afraid of getting information that might um, blow their next billion dollar idea theory out the window. Um, Absolutely. What are some examples of research that um, Whale Path has performed for its clients? Can you give us a couple of examples of some of the research? Absolutely. Um, we're focusing on three types of customers. First is technology startups. Second is research 
analysts or private equity and venture firms. Right. Um, let me give you a couple examples from different sectors and different customers and what they ask. Unfortunately, I won't be able to expose the customer names. Oh, sure. Sometimes we don't know that either. Uh, but I will give you an understanding what their expectations and what they're looking for. Uh, one of the, our customers, they are they have a website. It's a recruitment website similar to Hot Jobs. Yeah. They're looking to perform a research and job market for workers that make less than $25 per hour across the United States. And keeping focus to those people who don't generally have access to Internet or smartphones. Okay. What they're trying to find is patterns and behaviors, how those people find jobs, what resources do those people use, what's working, what's not working, what are the trends that drive this market, if there is any resource information available to those people to obtain the job or start looking for a job, uh, government agencies that support this audience, and media outlets that help employers to attract talent or any other relevant information. The next example is, it's an English life online class uh, company. Again, they're looking for, for market research and market size and growth rate for online education. Right. Same thing for English as a second language and instruction and where is the growth going offline and online. Growth rate for online English instructions or conversations, market size for live English classes and they want to know competitor analysis on live online education uh, companies, if possible, any relevant information that highlights the differences between the countries and regions and any other associated infographics or any data like that. Right. Uh, for private equity, this is an interesting example. This, this is a group of um, investors and the main experts purchasing the lands and development and developing and assisted living homes and nursing homes for the long return. That group of investors looking to analyze the markets for assisted living homes in Washington, yeah. and they need to know the size of the market, how many number of current assisted home living homes exist there, what's their business model, how much money they generate. Uh, situation for senior people in Washington and the trends, uh, whatever they choose in assisted living or under uh, what are the circumstances and what are their decisions, strength and weakness of that market and specifically about that state. Right. Okay. Uh, I, I guess that um, the, what, what is critical to be successful today is to be able to differentiate your project or your product from your competitors and Research would ideally be the best way to highlight, um, either highlight what those what that di those differences are, or give you the information which enables you to find your own niche, um, or at least your own slant on creating a a differential, wouldn't it? The way the other competitors do it, you can either purchase or pre-made research from variety of different vendors, such as Forrester, Gardner, and other vendors. Yeah. However, the reports are pre-made and expensive yes. and very. not always up to date. Yeah. And they, again, they're typically focusing on very large enterprise customers where technology startups cannot afford. 
we're right. trying to solve, we're trying to offer customized research where I have a specific question, I have a specific need, and I need to know the answers to those particular questions. Okay. Now, In order to do that, either I buy a variety of different reports and I try to pay, you know, two, three, or five thousand dollars for each report, which is going to cost me at the end of the day a couple hundred thousands of dollars. Yes. Versus actually utilizing our platform and getting those answers that you really need. So, how do you find the students to um, to perform the research, and and what level at what level of education or of, of their um, academic progress are these students? We first of all we we utilize PhD and master students with MBA and business and finance majors. So okay. they're very high skilled labor. Um, they have highly qualified. And the way we do it, we assign one research request to multiple students. And the reasons are because they are inexpensive and immediately available. They have deep knowledge in specific space. Yes. And every year we get new pool of students. So as of today, we have established partnerships with 20 university career centers who are, okay. they are promoting our service to their students. Right. And the main reason is because students can earn money. Uh, they gain work experience by doing what they love to do and sure. helps them with their sure. education. And in the future, it connects them with uh, potential future employers. Yeah. So they build uh, experience and they're doing something that they care the most about, and they're bright, smart, smartest people. So is it, do you have a direct connection between the, um, the researchers, the students, and the companies for whom they're doing research? Or does it all go through Whalepath? Um, can you repeat the question again? I'm sorry. Do, do you allow the students to interact directly with the, um, or the researchers to interact directly with the client, or does it all go through Whalepath, or how does that work? Uh, the way the process works is a customer submits the research request, right? and we assign this using our patentable technology to the right people, and the group of students work together. And we provide two checkpoints to the customers. The customer can see a partial results of the report. Right. Therefore, they can understand where it's going towards. Right. And they can adjust sometimes their request because they figure, oh, I need something more depth on this particular item. Yeah. Then they deliver second checkpoints. And then once uh, they complete the entire report, our system generates uh, PDF and Word report from the data points that students are able to obtain. So first, they work as a group uh, using the technology by finding the right people to do the work. Number two is using the templates who helps us to standardize the research request. And then, as a customer, you see partial data and you can see the progress of that. Okay. Um, which allows you to interact. and lets you to interact with the, uh, with the students as with well. With the students, okay. That's good. So, how do you how do you assure um, your clients that um, the research is high quality? Well, we have uh, three things. It's, first of all, it's our patentable technology that is designed for research, and it consists of three core elements. First one, it's our filtering and matching algorithm, where we vet students 
and match research tasks to students' qualifications, which means yeah. we know which students can do a good job and they're based on their you know, core competency, their professional experience, their time availability, work that they've done in the past, the satisfaction rates, uh, project duration, their geographical proximity. Secondary, we assign one research request to multiple people, so it's a group of people sure. doing that, yeah. and we're using research templates that standardize the research request and delivery format, including data visualization. What it means is, use a customer know what data points you need to obtain, and students using our templates go find the data, yes. upload it to our website, we generate the report. And the last piece, which is very important, it's a quality control where professionals with relevant expertise validate the results, plus you as a customer getting two checkpoints. So you are you also involved during the process of this quality quality assurance. I, I think it's a fantastic idea because I, there's been, in my career, literally hundreds of occasions on which I wish that there was a way to get uh, research without having to go to somebody who is really expensive. I find that the professional research guys are outrageously expensive. Uh, or trying to put a team together yourself, um, which is even more difficult because you don't have access to enough people in the right areas to do it. Um, could I, can you give us some idea? I know it's probably a very wide range, but can you give us some idea of, of the... Um, the cost of engaging WhalePath to do some research from the sort of top end to the bottom end? What sort of parameters are there? Sure. Typically, uh, the price is set by the customers. Okay. The way it works is customer provides a description of their request. Yeah. And then they choose a template, like how do you want your report to look like? So we have a variety of different re reports. Yeah. And third, you choose data points. Data points are elements of the report. Right. More data points you have, price will increase. So you're controlling this based on the data points. If you want to pay less, you Have you less. only indicate things that are most important to you. Yes. But keeping in mind that if you have more data points, the accuracy and the quality of the report Increases. will be very high. Yes. If you just need two data points, the specific answer to the question, then the accuracy will drop because there's not enough data to support a specific data point. And the system, system automatically calculates the cost and amount of students going to be working on the project. Okay. So can you give us some sort of an idea of in, in dollars? I mean, I'm a... I'm a uh, sure. the new entrepreneur and I'm sitting at home listening to this program and I'm thinking, gee, I could really do with some research, but I don't know whether this is going to cost me $1,000 or $100,000. Can you just give us some sort of ballparkish numbers? Every, sure. Average price per report is ranges between an average of $3,000 and it ranges between two to five. Oh, that's great. Um, we've, seen, we've seen the parents' majority. It's, it's around $3,000. That's what people intend to pay. Um, we also have a situation where customers pay $1,500. Right. Um, but the reports are just, they only need very small amount of data. That Once they do that and obtain little piece of information, then they typically order a full-blown-up report. 
So it right. depends on the customers. Everybody have a different, but it ranges within that price. Well, there's, there's no question that every, every entrepreneur um, can afford. Well, if they can't, they they <laughs> they're going to have problems getting their business past this point anyway. But if you can't afford five thousand dollars for good quality research, then um, uh, you're probably in for a pretty rocky road ahead, I would imagine. Uh, so, how did Wild Path come about? Did you, this, you woke up one morning and thought, "Aha!" How did it come about? <laughs> um, we are accelerated company from Founder Institute uh, program, right? And during the acceleration, the idea was born. It was pivoted, actually. It was born from the heart. We, me, and my co-founder, always have. We are all passionate about research, and we've all been doing this all our life. Right. And we never realized that that was a true problem for us. We knew that it was a problem for us, but we never realized that it's a big problem for everybody else. Yeah. And we've discovered that, well, we're doing so much research, and we want to know the answers. And there are students that are doing this research all the time for their assignments in their universities. Well... Why can we bring? Why can we bring those two? Um, why can we breach the gap between academic and professional communities by addressing needs of both, where professionals can get customized research at reduced cost, and students can earn the money, gain their work experience, and potentially connect with the future employers. Yeah, so right. it's a, the idea involves, and it was pivoted. And that's that's how it that's how it was born. It's a fantastic idea. I love it, and um, I think uh, it's 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 something that every entrepreneur should should really look at. Just digressing, just for a second. Um, big data. Um, where are the issues with big data? I mean, gathering the data has got to be the easy part, I guess. It's analysing the data when you've got. Enormous quantities of data that that and and sort of um, actually working out what it means. That's got to be the difficult part, hasn't it? And that's pretty much why we solve this problem because there's there's so much of information on the internet. There are how do you find the right answer? How do you how do you determine you know what is this? So it takes time and effort to do this. And that's why in this society we have so much information coming towards us. It's an ocean of information. Yes. And we need better tools to give us accurate, faster answers to that. And can, to contextualize. Back in the day we didn't have yeah. that problem. Yeah. Now we have a problem with the data. Okay. That's great. I really think it's a terrific idea and... Um, I recommend it to all the entrepreneurs out there. Adam Gasson, thanks very much for being on the program. It's been good to speak with you. Now, if you'd like to know more about Whale Path, go to whalepath.com. That's whalepath.com. This is Bob Pritchard. You're listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business, and I'll be back with you in just a moment.
From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking. No bullshit business show. This is where you get it straight. Exactly what's happening. Straight down the line so that you can use it and improve the way that you do business. And we're coming to you this week, as we do every week, from my hometown of Los Angeles, the City of Angels, where it is awful hot. Of course, it's the middle of summer, but wow, it's um, quite a bit over 100 degrees, which is over 40 degrees centigrade, but it's beautiful, clean heat. As you know, this program's heard all around the world. We've got a big audience in the US, but also internationally. Thanks for listening. We, we do appreciate your support. As I mentioned last week, I'm preparing to give presentations in India, Dubai and Bahrain, as well as in the United States. And no matter where I go in the world, I find that business has exactly the same challenges. And so this is the segment where we address some of those issues. And no matter where you are in the world, we believe that they will be, the answers will be of benefit to you. The first email this week is from Alison Simmons from Colchester, which is about 100 miles out of London, been there many times. Alison says, Dear Bob, I love your program. You give me all the news I need without having to go out and look for it. Well, that's good. I'm pleased about that. We hear so much about crowdfunding and how it's generating so much funding for startup businesses. Can you please tell me some of the crowdfunding sites that I should look at? Alison, there's no question that crowdfunding has made a huge difference to a lot of entrepreneurs. There are about 500 crowdfunding platforms, and this year they'll raise over $5 billion for more than 2 million projects. In fact, about 26% of projects across the board get funded. That's fantastic when you compare that with about four out of a 1,000 that get funded by venture capital. In the main, the amounts of money that are being raised are less, of course, but nevertheless, it has been a huge boon. Alison, one thing you need to keep in mind is that well over 90% of the projects that are successful have videos. 
So if you can put together a video, that makes it so much better. I did one over the weekend with a um, an ex-business partner of mine, and the video turned out really well. You can see it on YouTube, um, and it was just shot with a um, a new iPhone, and the quality was good. A few takes, but nevertheless, it turned out extremely well. So you don't have to go out and spend a whole bunch of money. Just make sure that you've got to just tell your story, and it works very well. Now, there are two types of crowdfunding. The first, donation-based, which is where people just donate to a project in return for, you know, a, a product or a perk or a award of some sort. Um, for example, if you're making, if you want to produce books, you give everybody a copy of a book. Uh, the second and more recent model is investment crowdfunding, where businesses seek capital and give away equity uh, or debt to the people who donate money. So under this model, individuals are funded become owners or shareholders, or they ha- and they have a potential financial return if the company does well, unlike the donation model where all you get is your um, whatever the gift is. But interesting, most, most of the people that donate to crowdfunding are really doing it to help people. It's really remarkable when you think about it that people would give $5 billion a year to people they don't know to help them build a business. I think that's pretty fantastic. So let me give you an overview, Alison, of some of the bigger sites and their models and their focus. Kickstarter. Now, this is primarily for creative projects, and it's a donation-based site. They're projects like movies, music albums, books. It's not really for businesses, causes, or charities, and Kickstarter's really the 1,000-pound gorilla in the room. Indiegogo, another great site. It approves donation-based funding for almost anything. It can be music, it can be personal finance, it can be charities, it can be whatever you can think of. They've grown very big internationally. Crowdfunder, it's targeted at businesses with a growing, it's got a growing social network of investors, tech startups, small businesses, excuse me, social entrepreneurs. They've localised crowdfunding and investment to help develop entrepreneurial ecosystems and access to capital that is outside Silicon Valley. Silicon Valley, 90% of the funds raised in America come out of Silicon Valley. So this is an attempt to create these ecosystems outside Silicon Valley. Rocket Hub, it's also donations-based, but it focuses on helping campaign owners and potential promotion and marketing partners to connect and collaborate. Alison, the next one I'd look at is um, called CrowdRise. Again, it's donation-based, and it's got a base of do-gooders who fund all kinds of inspiring causes and needs. So it's it's a feel-good crowdfunder. Summerlend. It's a site in the US for lending for small businesses and it provides 
debt-based investment funding to qualified businesses. So while it's kind of crowdfunding, it's a little bit different. App Backer. That's A-P-P-B-A-C-K-R. Obviously, it is what it says. It provides donation-based funding to get your new app off the ground. It's a very niche market um, for mobile app development. Angel List. Now, this is the for tech startups who are looking for Silicon Valley momentum that consists of angels and institutions that are out there looking for the next big tech hit. The final one I'm going to mention today is Quirky. That's Q-U-I-R-K-Y, and I think the name says it all. This site brings an invention or a product alive by allowing community participation in the process. So there's 10 that you can think of, and if you want to, anybody wants to drop me an email, I will send you out the the list. So thanks, Alison. Tomorrow we'll post you off a copy of Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, How to Blitz Your Competition, and that's my latest book. And if you don't have a copy, you can pick up one at Amazon. Don't forget, though, that um, Kick-Ass is also available as an audio book, so instead of sitting in the car listening to news about how many people have been killed in some godforsaken place that you don't really give a rat's about, have a listen and improve your business skills. The next email today comes from Fred Mickelson of Portland, Oregon, who writes, Dear Bob, I really enjoy your show. We close up the office at 5pm Tuesdays so we can have a beer and a glass of wine in the office and listen to your show. We have a large number of competitors who all sell exactly the same thing. And my question is, how on earth can we differentiate our business from all of our competitors? Fred, it's really a lot easier than you might think. There are three elements to really blitzing your competitors. There's more than that, but three that fit into your category. The first is to create a brand or an image that stands for something rather than just selling your product. The second is to differentiate yourself through your customer service or your added value. And the third way is through the way that you market your product, your store or your service. You know, the celebrated 2012 Edelman study of CEOs showed that 87% of CEOs believe that business should place equal weight on societal issues and on business issues. So you need to develop brand equity so the public realises that you stand for something rather than just selling product. You know, having a known brand means nothing. Kodak was known, 99% awareness. Broke. Um, there's been a number of others. Saab, 99% awareness. Broke. What you need is brand equity. That's the critical thing. So by showing people that you stand for something... Um, it might only be worth a couple of points. But a couple of points in a congested market, in a commoditized market, can make a big difference. You can differentiate yourself through customer service. And, you know, customer service is not, do you want fries with that? Or, hello, Mrs. Smith, how are you? That is 1% of what customer service is about. Customer service is a serious commitment to making the customer's involvement with you interesting, entertaining, educational, easy to navigate. 
you know, I mentioned earlier in the show about how you can do this using Facebook. And it's interesting that in the last 12 months, CEOs using social media to engage their customers has increased by 256%, while those using traditional media has declined by 61%. Now, that says a lot. There are a number of ways you can differentiate yourself. The type of promotion that you create will depend on the type of business you have, but there's a great promotion that can be created for any style of business. You just have to think about it. And in Kick-Ass, my new book, I discuss a range of these promotions for various businesses and how they came about and the results they achieved. Just think about this for a minute. Coca-Cola is sending out 7 million tweets and posts on Facebook every single day. 7 million. Why? Because it works. Now, you don't have to send out 7 million. You can send out 7. But it's about building a relationship with your customers. It's about involving them. It's about making an emotional connection with them and building your brand equity. It's all about your positioning. Now, if you're a regular listener to the show and are benefiting from the advice that my guests and I give you each week, please tell your friends to listen. Go to my website at bobatbobpritchard.com and subscribe to my monthly newsletter. Send me your questions, email me, and follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Google+, and become my contact on LinkedIn. Hope you've enjoyed the show. You know, I'm really thrilled to have been bringing you this show since 2011. It's a heap of fun. Two years have gone very quickly, and I'll be with you at the same time next week, no matter where you are in the world, to address the critical issues that affect small business everywhere. Thanks for listening to the Bob Pritchard. No bullshit business radio show for entrepreneurs. And remember, if you're serious about being successful, this is the place to come each and every week at exactly the same time. This is Bob Pritchard on Voice America Business. I hope you have a tremendous week. You've been listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Please join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, enjoy another week of success in your business and your life.